Hi, I'm Marty Grizzani, and this is The Marty Grizzani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. Hearing this again in five years, you're going to laugh, right? Like I'm running around and I can't wait to hear what Jeremiah's got to say because it's always so fun to hear what 10, 100 levels up sounds like. But either way, when stuff is like not the way you want it and it's chaotic, like I was just talking to my wife and, you know, we're managing these things and these properties and it's craziness. And I'm like, and we have a baby and I'm like, you know, we're going to look back and be like, these are the good times, by the way. I mean, I'm like, these are, this is the struggle, by the way, that years from now, people go, man, I wish I still had that. Those moments of like, you're not sure. And you think there's something to that? Or like, no matter what, it's going to be like, ah, shit, I want to just sell everything. That's there. It's there, man. It's like when you're in the arena and you're in the middle of it, or it's like you're out on a mission and like, like this military platoon and you got no sleep and you're just trying to keep your focus and you're trying to, you know, keep a million different things balanced so that the mission is successful in the moment, you know, it's so easy to want to just tap out or just to give up or whatever. I mean, it's not giving up, but it's just put your foot off the gas. And it's just like, it is magic in those moments. It's just, it's, that's why you gotta have such good people around you because in good systems, because it's like, like, no matter how, I don't care what anyone says, you're never on 100% of the time, you know, because if you're really on it, you know, you work, you're all, you're just working constantly. So it's just like those moments where you're trying to get through pumps and your energy is low, or you have to really think about things and process and solve a problem while other things are going on around you. Those people help you through those times. And uh, it really is how much did you invest in those people? Because that support system is what really shows up when you can only your mental capacity can only handle so much. Yeah, I think one of the things that I don't know if this is good or bad that I've been doing is I'm just asking them questions. Like I'm asking my VAs that, you know, supposed to be in management. I always was told you have to have the answers, right? But I feel like whenever I'm asking them, like if they have a question and I ask them that question back to them, they give me sometimes a better answer than I could give them. I'm just curious, like with you, like I know when I've asked this question before to other people, like they're like, no, man, we have a procedure and a series of procedures. And I'm like, God, I get it. That seems right. But I, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I'm like, I have other things I'm thinking about. And when something that like is, it's important for them, not as important maybe to me, but I want to make sure at the same time, I, Hey, your problem is important to me. Right. But in the grand scheme, it's not right. I, I always wonder like, what is a CEO, which you are of a very easily could be public company. What is your take on that? Like, do you kind of hit them back with the same question and then they figure it out and you go, that made my job easy because you know the answer and deep inside, but you just, you want to have this problem, but you know the answer if you just kind of take another second to figure it out. Yeah, what I have learned is that I want to teach. I want to be able to make sure that by the time I roll something out to those departments and either the leaders or in, in all, every level of the staff, I need to know it so comprehensively that I can teach it to someone in elementary school. 
And I want to diagram it. So that's what we have whiteboards everywhere. And, and I'm breaking it down and chunking it like the whole, you know, no more than four, three or four components. So we were just going over this with acquisitions where it's like, you know, I'm getting, you know, opportunities are challenging right now. And you got to be very careful what you put your time and energy and money into. So I broke it into three different things. You know, what's the strategy? Does it play to the strategy that we are focusing on over the next three years? If it's not self-storage in the Northeast region, then it better be a damn good deal. Not that we're not going to buy it, but we're going to compromise. We can't compromise much. So you have to have that gauge. The thermometer has to, you know, go in the other direction, and we got to get a smoking hot deal if it doesn't fit to the strategy. Then what's the seller's situation? Does the seller are they, you know, uh, do they only have a facility? Do they mismanage it? Are they right now? Is are they not? What's their what is they their desire? What are they trying to achieve? What's the profile? What's the story underneath the story? Then tell me about the asset. And then does the asset fit our profile? Does it have the right visibility, the right rents, the right size, the right condition? So for me, it's like I got to start to teach people through a system, a paradigm, so that we see things similar. So that way, the protocol and procedures and checklists, I mean, I get it. And that's important. And we are having creating better lead sheets and all these other things in that area of the company. But those are just pieces of paper. It's about thinking and processing the information and being aligned with the same strategy so that we're all in the same direction. And then I can break down the departments of the company, just like in a football team, right? If, if everyone knows the offense and defensive strategy, then you don't have to memorize every single aspect of every play. You have to know this is what's important in the play. You know, stop the run, stop the run. So it's like, that's the whole thing. It's like for us, you know, it's storage. You can add value in the Northeast. And if it has anything else, office and retail, industrial, anything else, I mean, yes, we'll look at it, but really we don't care. We don't want it. That's all that matters in the next two and a half years. That's, I think the number one thing is you can really go crazy, but everyone's got to be aligned with, you have to have your focus because if you don't, then everybody else is going to be chaotic. 100%. And, and I would say the thing that, you know, we always like talking about sports, but the whole Belichick thing that I really got out of reading a couple of his books is with every single player, he would never give the player on any given week's game plan more than three items to focus on. So it's just, I don't want to give my teams, you know, more than three items to focus on. You can have an elaborate game plan, but that's as us as leaders and strategists and owners to dictate that. All I need to do is, yes, you need. they need to educate. They need to know, you know how the company or how, maybe how the strategy works, but, but not really. They just need to know these are the things I need to focus on, and this is how it fits into the big picture. And then if you do your job, right, do your job, then we're all going to be able to win because you play into that exactly where I believe, you know, I'm leading you is going to get us to the right place. Yeah, and now it makes a lot more sense that you spend so much trying to get clear, right? All the time you focus on, you know, writing it out, all the time you take, get away from it for a minute, not that you're away from work, but to try to really focus in and writing it down. That's why diary, you know, your diary is so important or writing down the game plan constantly, constantly to try to find something that you can erase so you can get it down to something just so specific. It makes so much more sense. And I don't think enough people do that. I don't do that enough to really just take a step back and be like, what are we trying to effing do? Period. Period. Yeah. I mean, you got it, Marty, man. That that really is, you know, stripping it down to the essential, you know, is really the art, you know, where it's not too much. It's not too little. It's absolutely perfect. I mean, that's exactly what I'm trying to do in business. 
And I think that's as a leader, that is probably the, I would say a top five skill. And because once you have that clarity in your mind, you can communicate it across the organization and then you can pivot and you utilize the resources available to you. And that's actually the funnest part of business right there, because you're literally playing a game where you're the market's going to dictate the market's changing and it's always going to change in their market macro conditions we can't affect we can't affect interest rates we can't affect the input costs on the materials that we buy we can't affect the job market and what's going on with people getting you know what they want for wages and the, their ability to want to work all we can do is we can find what's valuable in the marketplace. We've decided at this stage, if anyone's watching this, they're, they're into real estate. I mean, that real estate is a superior asset class. And we're going to go out there and we're going to go play the game with the resources we have at this stage of on the board where we're at in this stage of our career. And then we have to continue to adapt to win. And if you do it too often, too fast, and you chase shiny objects, you're never going to get the momentum and you're not going to be able to shore up those resources and if you move too fast and take too many risks and you you know you put your your pieces across the board you're going to get you're going to get nailed you're going to get taken because you don't have the you're not shored up and strong enough to really defend what you have or to take on a lot of the the challenges in the future that you can't change and you can't control which in anything is just the way that market or investments and business operates yeah and i think that's really good because the shiny object syndrome for you know, a lot of people listening to this, Jeremiah, they're newer, right? Or they're trying to get to the next level and find their edge, right? And when you chase the shiny objects, and, you know, maybe we're doing this right now, and sometimes that's why we need to, you know, take a step back and refocus on what we're really trying to accomplish. But you don't become a master of your craft when you chase, when you're constantly chasing shiny object. It's not a problem chasing the shiny object. It's a problem that you're not mastering the craft of whatever it is that you're focused on. That's really the issue. The shiny object might win. You might actually win on the shiny object one time or twice, but then you're not becoming a master because there's another shiny object that comes up again. And you might've just gotten lucky or whatever it might've been, right timing, whatever the issue. But to really be the master, you got to stay in it when the things are not going well, because that's how you become really good. And that's how you become a master, right? That's it. That is it. And that's how you actually build up an entire team, a whole military of people behind you that are willing to do what it takes to win, even when that strategy isn't the best. It's not really the, it's not the shiny thing that's going to always make the most money at any given time, but you can withstand anything because you have an organization built around it. So when we do, when the economy does bounce back or the asset class bounces back, you know, you're going to be able to weather the storm and, and be very profitable and this is, you know, I was talking about this with a few different people and we saw each other in Cleveland at that event and a lot of new people that, you know, learn real estate, you know, it's not a function of if you're going to make money. The function is what are you going to choose to make money in and what are you going to choose to scale and what are you going to choose to actually grow an organization around? If you want to buy one investment, that's fine. But if you're going to do three or four or five different investments in different regions and different asset classes, you essentially, you know, unless you have some type of niche in that area, you're going to be owning a job. You're going to be running around, diverting your resources. And then, you know, and the thing that's kind of confusing or convoluting the whole lesson here is that over the last 12 years, it's been all, all boats have risen with the tide, right? So everybody made money and then they actually dilute themselves. And I'm, I've been guilty of this where I've been in projects where, 
you know, I made money on the project where I didn't pull it off flawlessly. I, the market really made me look smart when, you know, I, I did the fundamental. I bought it at a decent cost basis. I did some improvements. I, I did, I raised the rents and I was able to sell it, but over the life of the asset, you know, I, you're never going to be perfect, but I didn't have the best operational team. I didn't have the best CapEx and construction team and you're not going to, but I think what, it, what I'm playing to is when you do something, I'm not saying you always have to be in apartments or you have to be an expert at one asset class. You have to pick a path and then you have to pick a region or you have to pick a strategy where you're going to buy something either throughout a whole, you know, the United States or in a region. And you got to really know that asset class or multiple asset classes in a region. And you've got that's going to help you scale over time to build up every resource you need to be successful. And I don't think people look at, at that enough like a win. You know, the win is not always making a million bucks on a deal. The win is you have now a dependable cap uh, paving company or a dependable CapEx manager or a dependable HVAC. And you have a, a tenant that continues to lease space from you in different locations or, you know, you have a reputation downtown in Rochester that you have the premier professional, you know, one and two bedroom apartments. And you have these amenities in this website that is different and new and you're commanding good rents. Like you might not make the killing on that one deal, but now there's opportunities because you just completely differentiated yourself from everyone else. One of the things you've talked about, too, that it goes with the everybody has done well the last 10 years, right? The last 12 mm -hmm. years, everyone's done well. and man, I think a lot of people got into real estate in the last 10 years, like a ton of people, right? With all the podcasts, with all the YouTube videos, right? That wasn't really around 10 years ago. There was no podcast. There was no YouTube. There was no any of these things, right? So now you have all these people that jumped into real estate. I'm one of them, okay? And you said something about, you know, having a strong defense. I don't know if defense is anything that people think about. I mean, you know, one of the things that you've talked about and, and people in our group have talked about is, you know, having a low leverage. I don't think that I've even thought about is having a leverage of, you know, hey, my all my assets were at a 50% LTV or 60%, 70, you know, that's unheard of for a lot of people's portfolios. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't think, you know, you're somebody in your book, you lost it all at one point, right? And man, I feel like that is such a benefit for people. If you have lost it all, right? If you built something and lost it all, I don't want to go through that. So can you maybe speak a little bit about that or just why is defense so important right now? I think when you acquire assets that you can't turn around quickly, where you don't walk into equity or you're not going to be able to exit them. And we're in an economy where you can't just sell an asset to the next guy. If the fundamentals don't work, it's over. It's all over. You know what I mean? There's no more. If it's, yeah, you can sell stabilized assets that cash flow and debt cover. That's there, of course. Those are never going to go out of style and always be able to be liquidated. But even then, they're not that easy right now. So if you have an asset that you cannot sell and you have to feed it and you have to manage it and you do and you live and breathe it and don't make any money for years and you're lucky to get your investors' money back, it really starts to open up your eyes that, it's not always rosy. It, I, I just, it's just crazy that, and I get it. I mean, I had to learn the hard lessons myself, but real estate does not always make money. That's a reality. So, you know, that defensive position is pretty wild where, you know, I think that you got to really look at, okay, now the market shifted, things have changed. So, I mean, low leverage is definitely an aspect of that. But the problem is, you know, speaking to the guy that's, you know, probably listening, that's young and hungry and trying to continually flip their money like you are. I mean, it's all about, Cash flow is great, 
But the more you can continue to double your money every two, three, four years, you know, that really gives you that ability to scale your wealth and you, you hit your goals that you want in a very quick period of time. You've got to utilize leverage in a way that's responsible. And what I mean is, you know, protecting that downside is, you know, I don't know everyone's asset classes out there, but every possible angle, you can diversify the streams of income. For yeah. me, that's really what it comes down to, right? Is I, I've never done really well with one big tenant and I serve that one master because, you know, they hold a lot of cards when it comes to the value of that asset. So, you know, for you and your plans of the strategy of your multifamily in Rochester, you know, it, it might not be the easiest project, but you can definitely, you're going to, you know, you, you're going to have customers. You're going to, it's going to work. My mobile home customers, it's going to work. If I, if I evaluate the CapEx and I evaluate the challenges in the asset and collecting those rents. So it's just, I think the overall strategy for me has always been defensive, even though I have a higher leverage, even though we have some of the harder projects to convert over, you know, because we have to do some major cap fixing up and CapEx projects, that alone, you know, diversifies the risk because you're dealing with a big customer base. Like anyone's going to want your property. Every time I bought in something that you have a, either a storage unit, a small business location, and you have affordable housing, you know, there's a million customers out there if you know how to go out there and run it. Yeah. One of those key quotes is, you know, you serve the masses, you'll live with the classes, right? You, you'll live with the masses, right? So yeah, it's something that's important to remember, you know, but there's just so many people right now, Jeremiah, that, that are on that offensive still. And, uh, you know, when you were maybe elevating and, and growing the business and you were, you know, it's kind of when you were kind of going, you know, mobile home parks and, and figuring that out and then st storage and then, you know, some industrial stuff, you still do have to find what you have a passion for, right? Like you still do have to find out what it is that you truly want to do, go into. I mean, on the defensive position, it's like, you know, debt's a double-edged sword. You know, you can make tons of money with leverage and then you can lose a lot of money and really get hurt with leverage. So fix that debt, right? The floating debt is just very tricky. So fix it because you don't want that variable out there where that's, you know, that could burn you and that's burning a lot of people. We're just seeing the beginning of it. I think the next thing with risk is, you know, I guess you still have to have fundamentals of cash flow coming in. I would not buy something where you, it's a full turnaround right now, unless you really know what you're doing. You got to have enough income coming into, even in the hard times, covering the debt. So it's, it's just fundamental stuff, but it's it's important for you and for myself, where new people or even people that are trying to grow and they're impatient, you can't dive into things that really you're not going to be able to cover that debt quickly. I know lenders are even drying up, but having that base set of cash flow and income, that is the foundation of this industry. This isn't the tech industry. This isn't any of these, you know, uh, social media, marketing, advertising, eyeballs industry, right? You've got to have real income coming in and cash flow is the name of the game. Any way you slice it. So we can't forget that and be disciplined in all the assets that we buy. Thank you for tuning into the Marty Grizzani Show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.